the tree calls, Saman, with the emphasis on the on. The second time it calls, it extends the on, as I do with Megan's gan, much longer than I think it needs to, trying to get my attention. The third, more desperate plea always comes as I reach the back stairs, and it lasts all the way up the twenty-two steps until I have slammed the back door too hard. I flop down at the kitchen table. My mother's back presents itself as her front, married as it is to the electric frying pan, although in the last three months she has barely cooked, and it's been my brother's back I've become more familiar with. Her paws widen in the heat from the sizzling meat. Three festering grins in various states of disinterest watch as I sit at the kitchen table. Christ, hanging from what appears to me like a great plus sign, looks down on me, the eternal victim, and the orange seersucker tablecloth mixes with the fluorescence of the bar light above to colour my tanned skin tobacco yellow. Much later... After fifty spelling words revised half-heartedly at the kitchen table in the pools of dampness left after it had been wiped clean by Edward, my eldest brother, I put myself to bed. Simon! Simon! The tree wailed, its voice whispering through the fly screens. I eventually flung back my bed covers and dashed across the floor to my brother's bed, ramming an elbow into his side and pushing him in his sleep closer to the wall to make room for me. The tree was quiet for some minutes, and I lay watching the space in my empty bed where I should have been sleeping. If the tree was going to attack tonight, I was ready. As long as my mother didn't come to say goodnight and find my bed empty, I could stay safe in my brother's bed. And if it did push into the room, I would grab the chair by the side of the bed, tossing the pile of toys and clothes to one side. Like a shield, I would use it to protect me and my little brother from its clutches. At the door, I would pitch the chair at the licking tentacles. I imagined its attack would be like an octopus. I'd slam the door shut and run for it. Simone... The voice of the tree rose from the darkness. I hummed to myself to try and block out the lament. Through the stud walls, I heard voices conferring, gentle murmurings and the reassurance of Mr. Reardon, and imagined his chocolate-brown eyes unblinking as he watched my mother weep. The dark timbre of his voice rose from a bass line of shuffling papers. I had seen my mother standing on the kitchen chair after dinner. I looked up from my spelling homework to see my mother's calf muscles flexed as she stood on the chair and stretched to reach the shelf on the top of the hall cupboard. Mr. Reardon was the accountant for the church, and now he shuffled the papers that lived in the shoebox from Edward's size fourteen and a half black school shoes. I heard the rise and fall of their voices. My mother sobbing, Mr. Reardon consoling, then more shuffling of papers. The scratching of a pen on paper, then the voices moving to the front door. The closing of the glass heavy door. Then the light feet of my mother. The dragging of a kitchen chair across the tiles and the shoebox being lifted back into place.
Jared sniffled in his sleep and his arm thrashed out. I was thrust out of bed as he rolled over to take up the space he had previously occupied. He had no idea, I thought, as I crawled across the floor to my bed, watching him sleeping with his teddy, waiting for school to start. He'd find out then you couldn't spend all day playing. Outside, the tree frogs belched, and I made a dash for my bed, jumping the last bit. I pulled the covers up and put a pillow over my head and attempted to sleep, but my mother's tears were too loud to ignore. I tried to block them out. Hello, Catholic, sitting on a log. I repeated the stupid phrase I had heard the children from the state school shout out at me. They hid behind the grasshopper-infested hibiscus tree growing out of the black tyre on Mr Beatty's footpath.